Hello and welcome to the Develop Podcast. I'm your host Ben Gilbert and in this podcast I speak with practitioners from across the world, bringing you insight into the international development sector. In this episode I'm speaking about violence, but not the type of violence that we often associate with that word, which is brutal and results in rape, murder and conflict. Here I'm speaking about another type of violence, which is often not noticed. It's silent, but it's embedded within poverty. For you, me, and perhaps others listening to this podcast, it's the type of violence that we can be oblivious to on a short-term monitoring trip or a visit to a poorer part of the world. It's the violence of threats, disempowerment, coercion of control and power, which for an outsider is difficult to see unless you experience it firsthand. And, as is often the case, it's the poorest that find that the law doesn't or won't protect them from it. So is it time for charities working in international development to start looking much more seriously at how our programs in water and sanitation, education, food, nutrition and so on intersect with the underlying context where legal protections in poor communities rarely, if ever, exist? In this episode, I'm speaking with a lawyer who works in India. And because she works on sensitive and ongoing cases, we've decided to keep her identity anonymous for this podcast. Yeah, about me, I've been an advocate since uh, eight years. Um, I did my studies in law, so and I began to work for the marginalized and the poor to defend them uh, in courts right from immediately after college, because this, this is something really close to my heart. And um, I became a lawyer to do this, uh, to protect the poor from violence. Um, so I do associate with various organizations that uh, um, that works for the protection of the poor. Um, and it's been a very crazy journey. Uh, a lot of things that, a lot of uh, perceptions I had about the issue and what it is really like in the court and fighting for them and the protections uh that are there for them outside the law and within the law. So it was really interesting to find out. And, and I'm, I'm still learning, I'm still understanding, and I'm tr- still exploring. Uh, but I definitely uh, uh, enjoy the la- enjoyed the last uh, eight to nine years of my work in this issue. You mentioned that you wanted to study law and, and go into that area to protect marginalized families. What was it before you started studying? What was it that you were seeing where you saw that there was a real need for that? Was there any particular experience or was there something that you just saw? Or how did you get first get interested in that? So during my studies in the college, I, as part of uh, projects, we are exposed to a lot of um, a lot of different issues and just um, even providing legal aid uh, to various communities. Um, and in that process, I did come across a lot of um, uh, victims speaking about their inability even to uh, fight for some, uh, just even like getting an identity identity certificate uh, for themselves within a community. Um, and then they moved into speaking about um, some cases being filed in court and not having anybody to defend for them. Um, and. Uh, and also the 
uh, fact that they didn't know who to approach and all these legal uh, jargons never made sense to them and uh, they would uh, one day they would just receive a notice from court asking them to come to court but they have no no idea what is this about um, so i really saw there was a huge need or a gap between a gap in the system where courts are functioning there are protections uh, for the victims but uh, somewhere i did not see the victims are able to um uh, able to uh, access them in an appropriate way like even though the, the protections were for them uh so i thought maybe i could make a difference because we didn't see a lot of uh at during that time i'm sure it's, things have changed and um, eight years now a um, lot of things have been put in place but during that time i didn't see a lot of uh, advocates their focus mainly being for the uh, poor or defending the poor there's a, there's a few organizations kind of working in this area and one of the kind of key words which is used is protecting people against violence now that word violence often kind of brings up pictures of you know conflict zones uh you know like militants all that kind of thing but that's not really what we're talking about here in terms of violence it, it's it, it's kind of the daily threat of different factors could you just maybe just explain a little bit more about what violence means in the context that you're working with and the families that you're dealing with so just like any other country or any developed or the developing countries every um these countries have laws that protect uh, citizens of that country um and they they are your constitutional rights um so in your in in your day to day life when you see a person fighting to even um, just have their constitutional right protected right the right to work anywhere they want right to move freely throughout the country or right to speak or right to equality these are your fundamental rights and when you see those fundamental rights being violated due to certain structures in the society or uh, traditions that's come a long way uh, you, you find it you find it difficult uh, you, you you see it difficult for people to even struggle to live a dignified life and uh, so when it comes to violence it, it may not be that they they are being beaten up brutally or they are um uh, there's anything uh, significant that's happening to them but it's their struggle to live every day in a dignified manner which they they are already ought to have in and be protected with under the laws that are provided in the country uh so that that's be that's the the violence we are talking about definitely there are more aggressive ones but uh, generally the poor or the marginalized uh, uh being being considered just as um objects or animals that can be bought or sold or um uh, uh, moved from place to place and uh, that's the big, that's the hardest reality of uh, the world that we are in right now uh, so to me the violence does not just start with uh, brutal uh, murders or brutal rape uh, but even for um, citizens of this country not being able to fight um, uh, and live a dignified life uh, so it's it's mainly those kind of 
people who we are protecting who i i i def- i try to defend and that uh they are able to at least access laws and uh, access the court systems that are in place uh to ensure their side of the story is always heard uh and uh, and that they are ultimately they are able to give a good life for their future as well and nobody has to go through this uh just as they did so yeah i'm just beginning to kind of picture you know what that means and how important it is for people like yourself to represent and provide access what are some of the things the specific things which would stop the access to that legal process you mentioned about you know like someone getting a, a court hearing and they're not really understanding the jargon what what are some of the the things that the other things which get in the way of people being able to access the legal system and the legal representation so the, firstly i think being poor and being marginalized their lack of education and um lack of understanding of these legal or the laws um the legal systems that are in place or the laws that that will uh help them to get uh what they require so that's been so there's like a lack of awareness about what is what is there like what are the laws what are your uh, what are your rights what are things that you could even access certain uh systems or secondly the lack of awareness about the different systems that uh the country themselves has put in place like for example the legal service authority they work uh continuously for the poor they are they are an institution that has been uh, um built uh, instituted for protecting the poor from violence uh but i don't know if the poor really know about the legal services authority and it's across the country it's there in different parts of the taluk or even in the district uh they they are always welcome to just file a petition before them and they will um assign a lawyer or a paralegal volunteer for them so there's lack of awareness about that there are legal aid clinics opened up but i don't know how many poor know about this and is it really like do they read the newspapers and is it really mentioned in the newspapers where that is the mode of communication where it reaches out to every um every citizen in the country like even if they are poor or uh, rich they they know about these systems being there um so i i would say there's a lot of there's a huge gap in the lack of awareness and that's something uh that needs to be uh looked into um also i think there's also this whole thing of not having access because probably you are poor and uneducated that whole structural you, you won't see it blatantly but it is there it is there in all the system that uh, the power structure uh, which is there everywhere across uh, the country apart from that even because it comes like even the legal service authorities the lawyers are paid by the government so there's free service so so the motivation of those people who work for it like uh, work uh, for the poor that can be questioned too like for the people who like even though they are instituted for the right thing even it's not necessary that everybody who works in that institute uh, carries that same motivation to uh, help the poor in in the same way uh, in which they would help a client who's paying them uh, 
so those obstructions are also there. So we're talking about sort of a lack of access or a lack of understanding of how to even begin to, to approach the whole system. Uh, and then on the other side of that, perhaps the system itself maybe not functioning as as well as it could because of, you know, things like, you know, lack of motivation or, or you know, essentially pay or whatever. Um, and those those power dy dynamics that exist um, just between, you know, very poor marginalized families who perhaps don't have the knowledge of what their rights are and others who can begin to take advantage of that. So when you've got those power dynamics at play, who are the groups which are able to take advantage of this where you're actually seeing, you know, those power dy dynamics play where people are actually benefiting from the system as it is? Who are the ones who are actually benefiting from that? In my experience in the last eight years, something that I have uh, noticed is the, the ones really uh, benefiting out of it are of obviously the rich, um, definitely the ones who have the money to pay off a very good lawyer, the, the money to be, um, the money and the power to be connected to influential people in the society. Um, so they are the ones definitely who are, uh, who are always on the right side of the bargain, like they uh, they somehow can do even the worst of the crimes and get away with it, uh, because it's just because it's complicated. Because if they have people who are uh, in influential positions, they are able to block the transfer, or you know the power dynamics can play in, and then even. Uh, a good police officer or a good prosecutor or a good judge who wants the case to move forward also is at risk when this person, somebody who's influenced, who has an influence in the society uh, has been charged cheated against. So that's one major thing. And secondly, the one with the money is always willing to bribe who will have enough money to pay off and get him uh, get himself out of the case if he's by chance chance and also even even before it reaches that stage the ones the the i the, this is my personal opinion the rich ones are the ones who are always protected they uh, sometimes they, we, may, we may not even find out the crimes that they have done because even the even the money they may have made would have been illegal uh, so there are all sort of protection around this person who is going in that uh, road. You mentioned earlier on that that you have seen some things change. Have you seen examples of where someone hasn't been able to bribe or someone who is being trafficked actually have a successful prosecution? What are some of the things that you've seen change in the time that you've been practicing? And does that give you hope for the future? Yes, Ben, that's, that's really uh, something that keeps me going amidst all these darkness. There is definitely hope uh, that there will be a light shining. And I've experienced in many cases, firstly, God coming through. I believe that God comes through each of these situations because 
you're thrown in the, into these dark places and he's the one who gives you wisdom how to come out of it and then you see the light shining at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so one, one such case was um, one of the cases I was dealing in uh, 2013 and uh, I had a very, very good prosecutor who, uh, who got transferred to that, particular, to that particular court just before the victims had to testify. And I would call it as just an just a miracle, and it's only recently that we went back to listening to uh, that story of how did he get transferred at that point of time, and then he was just talking to me about all the struggles behind scenes about how people didn't want him to take on that position. But anyway, story short, he took on he became the prosecutor in that case. Very very honest prosecutor who did not accept bribes, who wanted to see that the victims got justice. So he pursued the case right through, and we we were we were fortunate to have a very good judge in the court too. So if you have a combination of a good prosecutor and a good judge, we can go really far. Like people who've used their power in the right direction, and we really saw that case come through and con come come through a judgment of conviction and convicting the accused and sending them to jail. Or right now they are in bail, but still the whole case they were not. They were they were found guilty of the case, and it's not it's not an everyday thing that convictions are passed in India. You see cases coming to a conviction because of a good prosecutor or a good judge who has uh, really opened up the case and allowed the victims to testify safely in the court, and who has really stood by uh, uh, these victims. So I. I do see not just in the court court systems, but also like different departments in the government um, and also the police officials who are working on cases, the investigation. So from, from the time I started to now, there's there's been a definite, there's been a reform. There's definitely been a reform within the system. And I, I do see, I do see many officials wanting to, uh, really defend the poor and the people who are really vulnerable but it's just the natural structures that obstruct them as well to provide this justice but I do see uh, many standing up against this huge tide and uh, uh, getting uh, getting justice for these victims so that's been really encouraging and when I see them I get excited I want to work even more or assist them even more so I go one victim at a time so I, I'm I'm not sure if you we can save like hundreds of victims but this for one victim justice was served you know so in in a yeah. in a difficult and a dark world like this there's definitely hope and that's something that I, I would keep telling myself to continue to do and not get tired. Coming now to international development and the area that I work in, you know, where we have programs for providing access to education, programs for providing water in communities, all these kind of things. What advice would you give people working in the kind of international charity sector um, where we're working with communities, but not necessarily engaged full on with the kind of legal representation and, and all the kind of legal things that are going on in the in the background or in the context that we're working in. What, what advice would you give to organizations like 
like mine. In terms of taking more or having more understanding of the legal context and the violence that um, people are dealing with every day and how that might impact some of our programs, which perhaps because we're not so involved in that side of things, we don't necessarily see unless we kind of really unpick and start to look at. I think the biggest gap is the awareness and um, something that I really think organizations such as yours should take on is this whole bridging this gap of making people known, make, making people know their rights. And it's not it's not necessary an advocate needs to do that, but uh, somebody who, who has interest in law, like, uh, for example, paralegal volunteers and who who are able to be in touch with the recent changes or the recent updates that the government is making so that you're constantly constantly informing your community, the community that you are ensuring education is provided, water is provided, but also ensuring them about their legal protections. Like if, if it's just an ID card that requires them to access ration or uh, like so that it, it becomes like, so it's not that you're providing everything for them, but you're finding systems that are in place within the government that could provide for them, which is more sustainable. So for that, you need you need somebody to play this intermediary role to connect this uh, connect the victims to the government with their policy changes, with their changes that that ultimately. Because I know for a fact there are many uh, many orders and many policies that are for the poor to help the poor get back to a normal life and uh, at least for their food, at least for accessing um, the courts if they are if they have any cases against them. Uh, but it's just that there is nobody to tell them like, okay, this is where you look. And most of it is not informed in newspaper. Um, the government may not be perfect in the way they are creating those systems to make people aware. But if there are people standing and bridging this gap and they need not even be law graduates they just need to be social workers who are interested to read and who are who are constantly updating themselves with the policy changes so i think that will really help the work that you do to be sustainable because there's only for few years or a time that an organization can keep providing but uh, we need to always help them find to the government that uh, needs to protect the victims of or the citizens of that uh, particular region. As always, you can find out more information on our website, follow the links in the information we've posted on this episode. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow and subscribe for news of upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening.